Welcome to Upper 90, a podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Netminder Tom Howard prepares to face the death kick. And he tips it onto the top post. Ooh, goal denied. And welcome to Upper 90 podcast. We are in week nine and uh, I'm Chris Nakuba, your host for the day. And I'm standing in temporarily for Professor Dan Sari McCarthy, who can't be here. Um, we've got myself, Carl Dixon, Director of Coaching at the club. Sam Fairhurst, a man of many trades. And we have a special guest today, Patrick Iani. Have I pronounced that right, Patrick? Iani. Iani. Whoops. I was pleasing in calling Paddy Iani. Hello there. Patrick's played at UCLA before then being drafted by the Houston Dynamo and also went on to play for Seattle Sounders and Chicago Fire and the MLS um, before retiring in 2015 and then coming back to play with Orange County FC in the USL. Um, Patrick has also played for the US at U20 and U23 level. He has his own coaching company, Iani Training, and has released two books, The Coaching Revolution and On Frame. And Patrick, I'd like you to um, just explain a little bit about yourself and your, your background and your your journey in soccer, that's, that's led you to the point that you're at. Yeah, so uh, I, I grew up playing here in the American system, you know, rec, rec ball, then went into competitive at uh, about 10 years old, yeah. and then went through the ODP program, which was kind of the, the way to be seen for the youth national teams uh, 20 years ago, and uh, made the youth national team at U14 level, mm-hmm. and continued on, and that's... Um, and it was my pathway into playing at UCLA yeah. and the under 20 World Cup team, and then was drafted in 2006 um, to the Houston Dynamo and, and spent nine years in Major League Soccer, won a couple of championships uh, with Houston and, and open, cup ch- open championships with, uh, with the, the Sounders. And then, um, yeah, and then towards the end of my career, I started to realize um, sort of how much anxiety I was carrying the whole time and, and started to, to ask a question regarding like, why I had a ceiling on my career and, and why and starting to dig into that question why it seemed like I couldn't I couldn't get past the ceiling that I had for myself so um, started to dive into that question and then um, that has led to some of the fu- fundamental truths that have been put into this project yeah. on frame the coaching revolution uh, yeah so great um, so what wait, is, wait, wait. Oh, sorry. let's talk about his career highlight yeah that's a good one to speak about. Happened actually. a couple of months ago. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this must be, this is the tenth mention now. Well, my back's still sore from carrying the team. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny he said he had a sore back before you came in. Shadow Josinko thinks so too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen he's playing for like a UPSL team? Yeah, Boca Raton. Is he? He plays yeah. for a proper like proper team. Wow. Was that? Did I have anything to do with that Steve Nash tournament? Maybe? I think we gave him the confidence. <laughs> now, now he thinks he's a player. <laughs> well, he said you, gave, you gave him the confidence, you know, off the ball. 
since his uh, his first first ever first ever trophy. I think he's. Had. I think you pinged a few few goals <laughs> off of him, huh? <laughs> he's big hey, enough. Hey, Chad, Chad, stand right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's big and solid enough for the ball to hit off him and deflector. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had to get there, so yeah. I have a week, few weekly things I have to get in every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Boca Raton. It's in Florida. Oh, oh my God. So, no, I, I used to live in Florida, just, just like... Just in case, <laughs> just in case <laughs> just in case all my episodes and you didn't know that. See you so later. I used to live in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> <A> gator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you used to date a cheerleader who played for the Gators? Not played for the Gators. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cheer for the Gators. <laughs> Alright, carry on. Um, <laughs> so, when you talk about realizing your anxiety, what was that? What's the earliest memory where you can think and you related and you realize that it was that, you know, that that realization for oh, that man. kind of self Yeah, moment. I mean, yeah. Looking back, thinking about games, I played for in a small town called in, in called Lodi, in Northern California, and um, and we play against bigger cities like I'm trying to think of around here. I don't. Uh, you know, I don't know. Jeez, I'm thinking of a small beach city like Laguna. Okay. You know, playing against a bigger city called like Riverside or whatever, where you have more players to pick from. Yeah. And in those days, everyone kind of stayed in their communities. So we had a small, small town called Lodi. We had 50,000 people. We'd go play um, Ballistic United, which was a team out in Bay Area, and, and Modesto Ajax. We had like 300,000 people in our city. And, and I didn't know those numbers then, but, but for some reason, they were a lot better than us, right? right. And I just remember being like, Oh man, we're not gonna win today, and just like, ah, oh, you know, and um, and and carrying that, and and knowing that our parents like wanted us to win badly, you know, and wanted us to compete, and like, and it was something, it was it seemed more important than it maybe should be, um, so that's uh, and I felt that as I as I'm talking about it, I'm thinking back, I can actually mm-hmm. kind of feel it here in my gut, in my right. stomach, right, um, and so yeah, that's where it was it was presenting itself for me. Um, I know for a lot of players. I train now it's it's up here in their chest right right and, and they're they're um you know as soon as they bring their attention to their body and where you know where they feel nervous right people would just say I, I, I feel nervous right but it's really they're they think you know the thought comes through I'm nervous you know mm-hmm. but they don't feel it at all right and a lot of it um a lot of kids nowadays I feel like it's in their chest but some still in their stomach you know so, right yeah it's fascinating well I feel that's the thing like when you're a kid like you, you feel the surface bit and it's always we mature and become a little bit more internal than ourselves that you start to go beneath the surface of the feeling as to the why, what, and, and the rest of it. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. And some of that why and what can be sort of a distraction at times, right? Because it's, it's taking you, it's keeping you in your head and, yeah. and, and, and creating a sense of control over mm. these feelings, right? And, and some of these feelings need to actually be felt and, and mm-hmm. cried and, and stuff like that. And, um, and so now it's gone deep, huh? <laughs> we talked about crying in America. It's gone deep. Um, oh, no. But uh, yeah, so that's sort of a thing. And, I, and you know, training sessions I've been doing, you know, get kids that you give them a chance to feel like what they're feeling. They're playing 1v1 and they get the sense that they're super nervous. And you can tell that, you know, as a coach, we just try to be positive and whatever. And it's like, I found it's more helpful just to have them like actually feel and cl- like maybe even close their eyes and be like, yeah, where do you feel it? And sometimes it'll just, they'll just try for five, 10 minutes or a couple of minutes and then they'll get back on and they'll be so much better. They've like released that thing that was kind of controlling them. You know, the thing that, that illusion that, that becoming better was going to make them better. And they, cause they get a little bit better and they still feel miserable, you know, mm-hmm. on the field and, and tons of anxiety. So, yeah. So. so, so more of your training, would you say is 
Is it more to do with rather than the kids having those feelings and being like, uh oh, and that's an obstacle? Yeah. Not so much embracing it, but feeling it out a little bit and navigating a way around it. Would you say it's more to do with yeah? Yeah, I realized that like just setting tones out for kids and having them go around and, and showing them technique, they weren't able to 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 do what I was telling them to do. And that's not yeah. because I played professionally; it's because like I'm not I'm not telling them to do a bicycle kick on the first training, you know. But like, but they're they're had a difficult time accessing the presence and um, and focus, um, and it was like they felt. That I was, and the and the training was a, was a sort of threat to them, right? Um, in a way, right? And right. Um, and I'm as you know as nice as sand and surf coaches, you know. So <laughs> when I'm out there, but like I'm I'm trying to get them to go through cones, but they're but they're just there's very little attention to detail. Right. Um, and you know you know the parents are paying me to to help them get better, and and they want to get better. And it has to be addressed that there's some kind of mental emotional block in the way, right? Okay. Um, which is where on frame and coaching revolution came in is that we we recognize that there's there's a sort of uniquely American problem when it comes to sports where these two worlds are their safety world of home and, and their parents gets kind of clashed together with um, with these performance worlds at four or five years old, even three years old sometimes, right? And it's and the kid starts to learn that that to get love, they, they score goals, you know, or they hit home runs, right? Or they, you know, score touchdowns. And so uh, that is, is sort of, um, it's, it's, it, it creates a sort of trauma on the kids at a young age, um, especially well, when parents aren't aware that what they're doing is just an exploration of, of what they're capable of with their coach, right? And their parents are there to, uh, are there to, and I said it before, like no one's gonna, no one else cares about Johnny. Like <laughs> I joke with Carl, like, they're not going, Carl's not going to take their kids home and, and feed them and take care of them, you know? Like the only person that's going to do that is, is the parent and also the only one that's going to have these conversations about how you're feeling and what's going on um, and, and, and actually listen to, you know, our parents, right? Um, and so, yeah, so we're, so we're trying to create an emotional, a, a healthier emotional platform on which to build performance. We still want to, we're still all about winning a World Cup as a country, but we also understand that like in America, kids don't take risks because they don't, they don't feel safe. Their parents love them. Every, I mean, there's a lot of good people that are that are doing that are that are experiencing this anxiety as parents, and then unconsciously they're projecting it onto their kids, and their kids are are doing what kids do. They soak it up, and so yeah. So they're we're we're creating a revolution in in the uh, youth sports landscape and the, and the culture uh, with these two books, and, and we're really excited about it. So the two books, obviously, we've got the culture revolution and. Um, that is an interactive guide to finding joy and excellence in coaching. And then On Frame, which discusses exploring the depths of parenting in the world of youth soccer. Was there a particular reason that you didn't combine them in one as opposed to separating them into two? Did you just really want to segment the, the, the two parts? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, because the, the paradigm and philosophy is the same in both. One's, one's pointed to, to the experience of, of being a parent, which is, which is uniquely different than, um, than being a coach. And uh, and sort of the role of the parent versus the role of the coach, and 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 sometimes the you know the the parent wants to do the job of of the coach, right? Or just mm-hmm. or just kind of is acting out of habit and and trying to save their kid and 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 push them and, and, and ends up in that role, right? Kind of unconsciously, and they don't see that, and they think that they're they're parenting and they're teaching their kid, um, and so to bring them back into that role 
of loving them. And then, and then sometimes coaches end up sort of trying to parent parents and trying to help them and yeah. waste a lot of energy and, and, and their time and, and that is, you know, would be more better suited, you know, really growing the club in ways and, and spending kids time with their kids. They end up spending it with the parents because the parents are bringing this, this sort of anxiety and we want the coaches to, to, uh, to stick to their job of coaching, really, quite frankly. And this tool gives, is for parents to support parents, right? Because it is, there's a lot of anxiety in our culture and it comes up in youth sports because we care so much about our kids. And they're to, you know, as of now, some of our, you know, some other programs um, are, are treating it, the, you know, PCA is a, is, is a good program, mm -hmm. and, and, but we need to bring it to another, another level of depth, right? Um, because the, things are coming up and parenting is a very, very deep thing. So to tell parents what to do and when can be really unhelpful when there's something that's clearly you know, happy in the parent, right? If you can see there's some tension in their shoulders, right? Or something, they're starting to tighten up their chest when their kid gets taken out of a game, right? Or gets put in a different position, right? Or gets goes from flight one or flight to flight three and all these different things. And and uh, we gotta be honest because <laughs> the thing is, is this is a very unconscious problem, right? Every parent will point to the other parent across the field or, or down the sideline and say, yeah, that, that's the crazy soccer parent, right? And first of all, that idea of crazy soccer parent is, is judgmental and super unhelpful, right? And super over, over yeah, stigmatizing, and oversimplifying, but uh, the issue. But but we we want to shift from from you know allowing this to be a problem outside of me and be like, hey, I'm part of this, right? And that's why there's a coach and parent book too, because you know coaches also project some of their stuff onto their players uh, as well. So yeah, no, I love it. It's uh, it's kind of like there's the room of the performance environment and there's the two doors of perception because the shades and colours that you see from here are going to be different to what you see here and vice versa sure. between the two so no, I think that's a, that's a great approach to it. Carl, did you have something to say? We've uh, talked about parents a lot and you know talking about the book and we've talked about our relationship with our parents uh, you know my granddad was an ex-player he was a very dominant figure but he was always very supportive and actually didn't pressure me much. My parents were quite easy going to. It was kind of like, if you want to do it, do it. If you don't, don't. Yeah. I was the only child. So I had a little bit in my own head of, I've got to be the golden boy in some yeah, sense. But sure. from a parent aspect, didn't really have much pressure. What was your experience with your yeah. parents and what did you have? Well, I'll touch, I want to touch on yours for a second because, <laughs> because there's a, you like, and I'll, I'll use, I was just with my dad this weekend. I spent the weekend with my dad. It was fascinating. Uh, we're talking about this now because we had this whole conversation. And I was like, I was at, oh, my brother was there too. And my brother was 13 years older than me, played in MLS, played at UCLA as well. Um, and, you know, he was the guy that like left the baseball team to go play soccer. And everyone was like, dude, what are you doing? You're a good athlete. What you get back in baseball, you know, at the time? <laughs> Multi million dollars. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm not be working right now. I'm going to be my brother's gardener or something. But, uh, <laughs> So uh so he goes, uh I asked my brother, I'm like, you know, like I didn't experience dad, and this is with my dad here, right? Like I didn't experience dad as pushing me to play like at all. Um I was like, What was your experience? He's like, No, not at all. And then I said, you know, I said, Well, then, you know, at least for me in this this, you know, I sp I speak about once when I got to the end of my career, I started to dig into this question of why there was a ceiling. And I, I realized that I was like a boy trying to find love on the field, trying to find a sense of safety, right? And my dad was, a, 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 you know, and I would say this to him, like a really anxious dude, you know, and really 
really scared, held, still holds decent amount of shame, right? That was what he kind of downloaded from his dad or, you know, my grandpa and, and so on. And, um, and so we're, we're, uh, I realized there was my dad's sort of unhappiness that, that led me to like, okay. And when I did play well, of course my dad experienced a little bit more happiness, right? So it's a subtle thing. It's not, but it wasn't him overtly pushing me into that. Right. But when you're, when you're, when you as a parent are, are unhappy, right? Your kid feels that they can't articulate it and they can't say that's a problem for me. Right. And so we, we end up fixing our kids and trying to put them in a better school and, and this and that, right? Where there's nothing wrong with looking for better options. That's not what I'm saying. But like, but certainly problem, my parent being unhappy is, is, is a problem for a kid. Um, and so we're kind of working back into like, let's, let's pump the brakes for a second in terms of quote unquote player development and, and, and getting my kid into a better space or better team. Right. And it's like, Hey, let's bring the attention. This new soccer experience is about me too. Right. If, if we talk about, you know, God or whatever you want to call God, but like him or him. Wow. Um, it's only masculine God. <laughs> no but anyways, no but, pondering with yeah, some force. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Midterm elections. Yeah. Are coming yeah. Up. yeah. <laughs> we don't worry. Hey, we don't worry. Late. <laughs> <laughs> One part of me does. <laughs> deep down, deep down. But, uh, but I got that part of me now. Uh, so this, so, so there's this sort of, um, there's this, Every, there's an opportunity for transformation in our lives in everything, right? Like we're, we're getting shown, like you want to learn patience. Okay. Well then, you know, you get to stand in line at an airport, right? Like that kind of stuff. Well, if you, you, you want to, I think everyone wants to be happy in our society. And we, we, we use youth soccer as this thing where we want to, we can try to control clubs and coach our coaches and our kids, right? As parents. And it's like, well, what about all the anxiety that's coming up? You can actually you can actually bring that into a, a reflective experience that can that can change your life, and then because you're changing your life and you're actually experiencing more peace and, and settledness on the sideline, where you just where you can actually relax and enjoy. That's what we want for, for parents that they can relax and enjoy this thing, and they don't have to just do it as a to do. You know, they're not like, okay, my club told me we have a code of conduct that says I need to shut up, and so therefore I'm going to be quiet. No, it's like I actually just enjoy it. I'm and glad you know our code of conduct. Yeah. <laughs> I know every club's code of conduct. And so it's like, yeah, and, and through your own transformation as a parent, right? And the coach's transformation, right? Yeah. Coaches that are carrying tons of shame from their, their playing days, right? That didn't quite go and they got an injury and now they're, they feel if their parents and whatever. And oh, so to bring this back to you, by the way. Uh, I thought I dodged So like you say, it's like very similar, right? You say your, your dad or, uh, or your granddad or whatever, your dad didn't, it didn't particularly push you into it. Right. And yet we know, I, I gotta imagine that your dad or granddad or whatever was, was, was excited as you started to progress in, in the, the lower divisions or, or the, in your, your youth career. Right. Right. And so there's, so there's something subtle that, that as kids, we didn't, we never, we never, we weren't really aware of it. Right. But we started, or some kids, but very few kids are aware of that, but we start to experience something different. Our, we, we experience our parents differently, right? They love us both ways, but we experience them differently. And we really want our kid, our parents to feel safe and not out of control. Not, you know, a, a really extreme example is that as a, as an alcoholic parent that's, that's drinking a lot, like a, of course, every kid's going to want their kid, their parent to stop drinking. Right. And so that they can feel safe. What well, happens in other ways, not just alcohol. Right. And, um, and we like to just say, I'm, I'm a good parent. I don't, I don't drink alcohol. Well, it has nothing to do with good or bad. 
right? There, it's, it has to do with what is our kids' experience? That's the bottom line. What is our kids' experience of us? And if it's one where they feel us trying to control them and they, and they, they look at us on the side and we're, we're anxious, right? About like, for some reason they need to get better at this game in any way, shape, or form, they don't need to get better at soccer, right? Right. Um, ultimately, we're talking about these kids being happy and then going on to live like their, their best lives. And, and that has to do with them actually experiencing love for themselves, right? Not so much being a, you know, I mean, shoot, I was doing scissor kicks and scored the goal of the year and, and I was miserable, you know? And, and, I, and I had to do therapy at the end of my career and afterwards to get to, to unlock, like, what am I here for? You know, am I here to just pay bills or am I here to like actually to help the world. And now I feel like this is something that I've gotten to space where, yeah, this is something that's actually, that's, that's helping a real problem, you know? So. <laughs> cool. There you go. What do you think about that? <clears throat> My experience yeah, yeah. or? But, uh, do, you, do you agree that you're, or do you, or yeah, you disagree about no, your dad? When I look back, uh, there was a, I had a choice when I was in school because uh, you can choose, you know, like electives to go with. Yeah. and. Uh, I went with physical education because it was sports based yeah. and I went with engineering and it was two of the things my granddad was involved in very heavily, yeah. you know, so it was kind of mapped out. Like I, I grew up, you know, my granddad had a chair, you know, they all have their own chair yeah. that, and I sat at the foot of his chair with yeah. the Premier League sticker book, we watched every game. Like, yeah. that was it. Like, yeah. So I grew up. So it was mapped out that I would be in sure. f- football some sort of way, yeah. Do you remember any time when when you didn't, um, like when you chose something else, maybe you wanted to like play the piano or something, and do you remember, I mean, it's hard, it might be hard to, to access that, but like play piano or, or you wanted to like paint or something. I mean. I know as athletes we sometimes have the, terrible, only... terrible at all those things, but like, <laughs> and, and your experience because I, I would you know imagine like there might or there could have been a sense of like, what, like just a subtle like face like, what you're gonna do something different like what you know and they weren't yeah. they weren't like they weren't overtly right that's the thing is like everyone wants to make this this parent problem to be like that one parent that's overtly like ridiculous you know so to speak on the sideline right that's that's like screaming and yelling and and calling the coach every you know every couple of days but like. It's that subtle, those subtle things, right? That we, that we know that have an impact too. I would say the only thing I can remember, yeah. it was like, I was probably around 11, maybe a little younger. And it was really popular in the UK, WWF. Oh yeah. Oh, really popular. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I remember, uh, so you'd have Friday night Raw's war. Yeah. And they'd show it then on Saturday morning. Yeah. And I would watch that before I went to football. Like you have a match. Yeah. And I can remember my granddad coming in going, what is that rubbish you're watching? Yeah. And I turned it over. Oh, yeah. And it was something that I liked. And uh, like you go to school yeah. and everyone was talking about, you know, yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin and all that yeah. stuff, you yeah, know. But yeah, that was, <laughs> that was something where like definitely seek disapproval. Yeah. And that's why, you know, so yeah. I can I can remember that I can yeah. actually remember him story, yeah. saying like, "What is that rubbish you're watching with two men in underwear?" Like yeah. like something like that. <laughs> yeah. He was very blunt, you know, yeah. like that. So yeah, that was kind of everything else was like uh, we've talked about it. Yeah. Where where I was from, you know, kids you either boxed or you played football. That was you know that was pretty much or you run the streets. Yeah. That was like it. So yeah. there was no kids playing the piano. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I went to a Catholic school when I was younger yeah. and the, you go, you get in the choir yeah. to get out of class. Like that yeah. was how things were. So Well, to get out of class or to talk to the girls that were in the choir, that was my mom. Well, I was, well, <laughs> I was in all boys school. So yeah, but yeah, that, that, but that probably that wrestling one speaks out of just it's seeking his approval, wanting to do that, you know, so yeah. yeah. Chris, so, you, Chris, well, have you got anything on that front? Yeah. yeah. Anything from yourself, Sam? You no, my my parents didn't really care at all about me <laughs> playing football. <laughs> they just used to drop me off and pick me up, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was a rugby guy. And you got and you got pretty good at soccer. And, yeah, and, and you were uh, we, just to go back to the Steve Nash thing. You're probably the most creative player on the field. <laughs> you know. But yeah, that just all came. We spoke about it quite a lot. He said MVP. MVP. He was. He was. To be fair. Yeah, it just came from me yeah, wanting man. to do it. Yeah. Just to watch it on TV, yeah. want to go and like replicate them goals that you see. Yeah. If I came home and had a bad game or whatever, maybe my touch was off, I'd kick a ball against the wall for a little bit. Yeah. I remember we talk about kids missing penalties. Yeah. I'd go and practice penalties all the time in the backyard, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So you felt you felt you felt sort of safe on the field where you realized like a lot of there's players, I mean I know I've talked to spoke to English players that also didn't feel safe on the field and then therefore couldn't take risks and didn't become very creative, right? And that some of that became like parents, but coaches became that sort of parent figure and there was like, you do it like this, right? And there's no room to, to explore or create even though there's obviously fundamental principles to football or soccer. Um, but then you get, you know, a bunch of American players where, you know, parents are up against the sideline from a very young age and uh, and you're, you're looking at that, you know, all over the place, a bunch of robots. I mean, playing at Steve Nash's thing. Yeah. A lot of robots out there, including myself, right? I'm a good robot. Yeah. I was I was a good trained robot, but I mean, when push came to shove, I was feeding, <coughs> feeding Sam the ball, and on the other team in the championship game was Kevin, yeah. your other coach, who was running the show, French dude, right? And you have a bunch of American robots just standing there, standing in the way, trying to get in these creative guys' ways, you know? I, th- I think that's the big difference between like European and American players. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of the soccer brain a little bit, like yeah. what you talked about. Yeah. It's it, probably because like. Basketball, football, the set plays. Sure. Whereas obviously soccer is completely different. It's yeah. just you're in the moment. And well, you do you, need that. Yeah. Feeling. Well, I'll give you a little different perspective I've thought about is that like basketball, we are we're the best in the world. America is right. Yeah. And you know you have a lot of inner city kids just playing no no club club basketball right. They're from a young age. They're just playing one on one. Yeah. Me versus you. So Let's see what I can do. <clears throat> Mom and dad are nowhere to be found right. Yeah. And they get to ex to, to explore the game in a free and they're playing the game you know they're not working the game for love like you know we, we find here in American soccer all the time right and I think that's a good way of saying it right it's like the kids are are working for love based on the fact that their parents are up against the field and their parents uh, haven't yet you know moved into some of this anxiety that they're carrying and so it just comes out in this way because it's the time that they're with their kids right and they're watching them if they were watching them in the school they'd be like Dude, you gotta write a better A, you know, or something like that, you know. It'd be this, it'd probably pretty similar, you know. It just happens to be that this is the time they're around their kids is is for these extracurricular, you know, soccer specifically in this country. So so big now, so. That's yeah. It, the the creative part's interesting though because growing up where we did, I I feel it was more celebrated when you won a header or a put in a big tackle. Sure. That was like. <laughs> You know, I played in center mid for actually mo- a lot of my youth, 
but I was really more of like a hatchet man in the center oh, mid and then yeah. played like like a big diag ball and then I moved into being a center half. But yeah. the creative players kind of interesting, especially like England, it's only become more and more like the last five, six years where yeah. any of the leagues below, big tackles, headers won, yep. is always celebrated. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, partially like, it's based on like climate too, right? Because like, Right, you don't. I mean, Brazilian players are so hot. Like they can actually, they have grass that's not super muddy. They can actually play oh, on. You yeah, know? yeah, right? point, yeah, yeah. I think some of that is like is based on like these. The coaches are like, hey, dude, we aren't gonna be able to play any other way. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can be successful in England and, and in in that neck of the woods by just pumping the ball, right? Because yeah. because if you have big horses, right, you're gonna win games. And but it was interesting because that would be on game day, mm-hmm. but I felt off game day. Like Sam said, really. when you're playing, but we pretty much grew up playing five aside. That was all you yeah. played, five aside, five aside, yeah. you know. But then when it was there, you know, you're doing Cruyff turns, chipping keepers, you know, there was a lot of creativity. Uh, we yeah. actually created our own creativity off the real, like, <laughs> where the coach was, you know. Okay. So, like you said about basketball, I call it like the, the garage door yeah. scenario. That's what we did, 1v1 versus a garage door. You know, that's what you play, like yeah. basketball. So yeah. I think that's where we got the creative brain. I also watching it too. Yeah. You know, we were yeah. well watching it. <coughs> yeah, you know, and, too, yeah. and then going out and doing a five aside and in a five aside I didn't play a centre half. Yeah. I just played everywhere. You're you know, that was yeah, yeah, and I find some of the kids here struggle with that. It, you go play five aside and you've got that robot yeah, just where, standing. Where, where do I go? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. standing in, in the yeah. back and I'm like, you yeah. go anywhere you want, yeah. positions, play, do whatever. Yeah. So that's just it's an, that's just an interesting side of the, yeah. the playing. Well, so like you play like street soccer, you'd be, you know, just getting out of the car park, playing nice there. You literally play anything. You play cool there's a lot of 1v1 and that's where you'd get a lot of your creative self-discovery from that as well. Yeah. Heads and volleys. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's it's soccer, it. especially, right? Is is like it's the most player centric sport, and so there's an, an intuitive part of it that you have to create by doing and just just being around it. You know, I mean, you really want to get good, go do the thing that scares you. Go put yourself play against. Had Steve Nash and Stu Holden. Well, I shouldn't say this what day and, and time it is, right? Over this thing because we'll get a bunch of scrubs out there, but but you go play against better players, and that's the and that's the whole thing. Is and that's where at least in my, in my training, you know, and, and uh, some of the stuff uh, Seth who wrote the book, right, and I have done with our our trainings um, is made it made the, the sessions like you do what scares you, and then you recognize that something in your body is like. Is presenting itself, and that thing's been the thing that's been controlling the whole time. The, the anxiety in your chest, that thing's been controlling American players, and and again, that's been passed down the generations. And so, can we can we shift this thing from the very top with parents and coaches that are are the ones setting the environment, um, and um, and no one's bad or no one's they're not pointing fingers. It's just like, you know, let's let's um, let's let's actually do something. That's what, that's my kind of thing with clubs now. It's like. You know, we know this is a we know this is an issue, right? Um, you know, we've done things like send out research based articles and give codes of conduct, and, and are we going to, as a country and, and clubs individually in their their little cities, um, are we going to, you know, give parents something that, that will help instead of just telling them you need to be like this or you need to shut up? Like, can we do something that 
that kind of allows them that just actually works. That was our whole thing. We we got if we're gonna make something, create something, it's gotta work. You know, it's no no sense in just doing a you know a nice a cute cute marketing you know flyer that says like be like this, be like this, um, and not address that parenting is something that's done in your guts. So let's uh, let's do this. We're gonna throw a few. Let's pick, talk, go into the on-frame, the parent side. We're gonna pick a scenario that's happened on a sideline with a parent, like mannerisms, and we'll just throw it at you and see if you can give any parents advice or talk about it or right. give us something. So yeah. the first one for me is the parent that can't sit down, paces left and right, does you know doesn't really know even if he's gonna say something or not he just looks absolutely stressed out no matter if the game's going well bad you know and honestly his eyes are only on his kid any advice any thoughts you know that's one scenario we see a lot you know where a parent just cannot relax no matter sure the situation sure um yeah I think it's it's a recognition the first thing I would say is that the youth soccer experience I don't know if I said this during this podcast or before we were talking for an hour, but like, but but I, I was saying this idea that like the youth soccer experience is something that that is you know any, anything in life is meant to be a transformative experience if you look at it that way, right? And so, youth soccer for parents and for coaches and for players is a transformative experience. Anytime I, when I do uh, sessions with kids, private sessions, and the parents, you know starting to talk about their kid too much, you know, and they're, you know, it's clearly a bunch of anxiety coming out. Right. And I'm like, you know, you know, I could say like, leave that, like leave the coach to me. Right. But I also, instead of saying that, I say like, remember, this is about you. This is about, you know, your daughter or son. And this is about me. Right. This would, you know, cause there's times obviously where I'm coaching some kid and some kid has zero interest in listening to me and being disrespectful or whatever. And I feel this anger come up my chest and I have to go, Ooh, you know, take a big deep breath and be like, whoa, what is that? You know, that thing's coming up again, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I just felt that with my wife last week, but like <laughs> now this kid, now this kid's triggering that too, you know? Um, and so, so that's, that's the thing I would say is that like this, the youth soccer, the youth soccer experience is an experience for parents. Like they're out there, right? They're alive. It's an experience, right? right. It isn't, the kids aren't the only ones that are, are experiencing something. It's like, we act like they're like the parents are, or parents, I think, are acting in a way unconsciously, of course, that they're that they're not they're they're not having any emotions and that there's nothing happening, right? And or that those emotions have no um, sort of re- relevance to their kids' performance and their kids' development, and they absolutely do, because um, there's every single coach in America has a hundred stories of a kid shutting down, right? Um, I talked to a lady yesterday that has a, does a youth uh, CrossFit program, right? And something happened within the family that uh, they were, you know, dad cheated on the mom and they're now kind of figuring it back out together. But the, the daughter was going about her business, doing the CrossFit thing, right? And enjoying it. And the co- her coach who I was talking to was saying like, at some point within this thing, her, the, son, the, the daughter started getting stomach aches and, you know, and, and saying, you know, I can't train and stuff like that. And the mom's coming to her like, what's going on with it? You know, to the coach, what's going on with her? And, and the coach was like, how do I, you know, she was asking me, how do I say that to them, you know, like that they're in this like, well, you gotta make sure you, you do it softly and with love and, and, and an understanding, right, of what's going on. But I would say that, that like, it's about them and can you, and the second, the second exercise in on frame is about that. It's like, 
three consecutive times you watch your kids play, your job is to um, is to write down what you're experiencing um, as as it's happening, right? Um, in in your your thoughts, what you want to say and to who, right? It might be your kid, or you might be you want to tell the kid that you think should pass your kid the ball, right? You want to tell them what to do. Um, and, and then in your physical experience, right? The physical sensations that are in your body. Um, says here, that I, I just opened it up here, that is because it is human nature to trap and carry emotions and energy in our body in a variety of ways. When we breathe deeply, it helps us slow down and be mindful of experiences. So, of course, I would ask them to breathe deeply and and to, to be quiet, but not for this, and not to cheer or anything like that, but not for the sake of like, you know, we're trying to control you. It's like, when you do that, things will start to emerge in your body. You'll become aware of things that you weren't aware of, you know, minutes before that. And then you're working on, hey, what is this thing? You know, we become curious, like, what is this thing in my chest that needs me to control my kid, needs me to give advice on every other play, you know? Um, or tell my coach that where, where my kid should be playing too, you know? And so, um, yeah, that'd be my kind of answer to that. What about the the statistician, the, the parent who <laughs> keeps stats sure. of everything, but individually? So it's just you know because we have then parents who create time. Well, look at the team Passing more as <laughs> individual base. Like yeah. if if Chris makes two assists, scores one goal, it's a successful day. Sure. Even though the team lost. Like, what about that? Yeah. So, like, diving in. What What is that? Like, or... Well, yeah, there's a definite misunderstanding as you would, you, you would probably allude to that of, of what soccer is and, and the, all the little ways that you can, you can score, you know, a goal and assist and your team lose and you could not have had a good game, right? Yeah, yeah. We know this, right? Anyone that's been around soccer a while can know that. Um... So there's obviously a misunderstanding uh, of that, right? But then there's also, right, you're, you're, you're talking about what makes someone take stats in a way where, and then it's not taking stats is great. Like if your coach wants you to take a parent to take stats, sure. Um, and and you're, you're, you're incentivizing kids and you're motivating them in, in, this, in this one, this is one way to motivate kids, right? Possibly, but, but I'm saying like, if that, if that parent is always needing to point out, you know, who scored and my, you know, my kids scored and goal, goal assistance, like, you know, like there's a there's a sense you can feel from that person most likely that they're they're not settled, right? And and I would, you know, say to the statistician out there, like, like, hey, like, your the only your job, right, as a parent is, is not first and foremost to take stats, of course, right? It's for it's for it's for it's for you to check what your kids' experience is of you. We were talking about earlier, like, your kids' experience of you is the only thing that matters, right? It doesn't matter if you're a good parent or a bad parent. What is your kid's experience? And that kind of takes us into this realm of like, what is helpful, right? And then the, the book obviously, you know, is, is bent towards like starting to do what is helpful, like asking, the, I think the, the third exercise, um, and there's nine total exercises in the book, three for your child, three for your, you know, in relation for your, as a parent, in relation to your child, and then three as in your relationship to your coach and the, and the ways in which your coach and what, they're just doing being a soccer coach could trigger different things within you. And then lastly, you know, three exercises in regards to your relationship with your team, which we, we use the word team to describe your team of parents right on the sideline and ways in which different parents on your sideline could trigger you. But the third exercise in the, in the child section is, is about have, sitting down with your kid 
and, and sort of asking them, what do you love about soccer? What do you hate? How does it feel? How do you feel when, when I ask you or when I cheer for you on the sidelines, you know, and you're, you're to be kind of quiet. And so the statistician, instead of, you know, focusing on that can, can then kind of engage in exercise in these books, which is basically you're, you're taking a look into your unconscious and recognizing there are things that you were carrying that you didn't realize you were carrying that are affecting your kid's performance. So, you know, going back to your last, you know, question or the, the, the guy on the sideline that's pacing up and down, notice I didn't give like a behavioral, you know, model like saying you need to do this, this and win. Yeah. Like, that's what we've been doing and it hasn't worked, right? We still have, you know, tons of anxiety on soccer right. fields for players and for parents mostly, right? And coaches too, but um, but certainly for parents and players because that's the, the kind of where, where a lot of this hinges, you know? So, yeah. <clears throat> I like this. Yeah, actually, I, I, you, you want to jump in? He's, I've go got on, just tell I've got actually one on the coaching end, but he's, are you doing the parent? Yeah, you mentioned something earlier on about you know parents wanting to win kind of more than the kids, and kind of I think you said you felt that as a player. Sure. As a parent, how do you kind of realize that you're that kind of parent? Is there anything you can do to kind of any little advice you can give to parents who maybe are doing this? Yeah, yeah. So you said is like, how do you how do you find out if you're that parent basically right because like you said we, we look on the sideline and go like oh that parents that we yeah. used it earlier on the crazy soccer parent yeah, yeah. and it, often it's you that parent who is yeah know, yeah how do you how are you able to look at look yourself in the mirror how do you do it like what yeah well i think it's important first to to, to mention that that there is some parents are and some of us some americans are more domesticated than others so we kind of keep it together better than others but that doesn't mean that we're not carrying the same thing and it doesn't mean that our kids even are, aren't feeling this sense of stress we just you know there's plenty of parents over there that are underneath their sweatshirts or whatever they're kind of moving their fingers and and they're you know and their hearts pumping you know but we don't see that because they're they're kind of domesticated right more domesticated so um but uh i you know when you when you simply observe yourself right that's the that second exercise when you're watching your kid but you're doing it it's called the watcher Right, the exercise is called the watcher, and you're to watch yourself and your thoughts and your your sort of the physical sensations or emotions that are coming up in your body. Right, when you do that, right, that's the that's the truth. Right, that's where you find out what the truth is because your ego, your mind can be telling you like it's not me, it's that guy. Yeah. Right, it's that parent over there. It's so up and down. Push. Right, it's jumping up and down. Right, and that's what that's that's what's been happening. Right, we we we've been saying like, hey, how can we figure out? fix that one parent. That's not, that's not what's needed and it's not what's gonna help and it hasn't helped, right? It's already been done. We're, we're, we're needing a culture shift, a complete culture change where we raise the bar up for emotional intelligence, right? As a collective, right? And that starts to change the experience for that one parent, right? Because everyone's calling them a crazy soccer parent is gonna continue to be just like, you know, the little girl that says, everyone says she's shy and she doesn't talk at all, right? It's like our, our talking about that person is yeah. in that way is actually, is sort of creating that. So when you change that, right? When everyone's, when everyone starts to take a look, because everyone's carrying some stuff, right? When everyone starts to take a look at that, or the ones that are willing to, to open the book and do it, the ones that are courageous and the leaders within your community here at Santa Surf or wherever, right? Are, are willing to go through and, and do the exercises, right? And take a hard look at, at what they're carrying, right? Not what they're doing good and bad, it's what they're carrying, which is the core and the root of what's causing the behavior and causing the sort of rift that's, making players quit soccer at 13 and 14 because they're absolutely burnt out 
right? It's because the kids are not being burnt out because they're not playing too much soccer, or because they're playing too much soccer, it's because they're just not enjoying it anymore, right? They're finally, and they're finally able to speak up about that. Some of them are not enjoying it at nine and 10 because of their parents' interaction with it, but they can't articulate that or they're, they're too, they haven't quite uh, got the voice to say it yet. Or some of them are saying it and their parents aren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're saying, oh, well, we'll take you to another club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard there's a good club in Orange County. You know? So. Yeah, I heard that one before. Yep. <laughs> Lots of better clubs all over the place. Supposedly. So just on the, just on the coaching side, we talked about this last week. It's just kind of interesting because you've got, you know, the coaching revolution, you know, and you do a little coaching. What type of coach are you? Yeah. And what would you say? You know, we gave our examples uh, last week. I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, we all know the model coach we'd like to be on the sideline. Like, there's this thing of you gotta sit down, you gotta take notes, you gotta be quiet. But yeah. I'm actually quite different than that. I'm yeah. I'm very energetic, loud, passionate. Uh, you know, I kind of said I'm a bit of a mix between Neil Warnock and Tony Pulis in the sense like I like to have banter with the other coach, the referees, get the kids involved, and I actually feel my teams feed off that. Sure. I feel when I sit down and take notes, yeah, it dissolves for some reason, yeah. and I think it's just because that's what I'm doing in training too. So, sure. obviously, you're diving in deep here to this. You fill this book out, I'm sure. Yeah. But like, what would you say your coaching style is? You know, yeah. in training, and then if you were coaching games and, you know, yeah. working with any type of players, what would you? Well, yeah, I think I mean it's interesting what you're saying, like to be your personality or your people person. You like to be engaged with people, right? And and you have a gift of humor, right? Well, I mean, you're entire, you're saying the surface. I mean, this podcast is like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. humor, right? Which is great. But that, like, it would be, your your joy would be lost, you know, to some degree, you know, if it, if you're not, um, if you're not able to bring banter into it. Because, I mean, especially at a kid's age, you know, I think For sure. you talk about, I don't know, these coaches that you mentioned, I think Neil Warnock, I know, the other guy, I don't know, but um, who was the other guy? So Tony Poulos, uh, Poulos. was West Brom manager in the Premier League. Who's he Stoke? Manager? Yeah, he's okay. Stoke manager, but... Okay. Very, oh, always wears a tracksuit. Yeah, a tracksuit <laughs> manager, but very kind of old school, but all the players that play under him, like, love him, love the right. banter, he's very yeah, outgoing, yeah. on the sideline, you know, shots missed, he's a bit like, ah, you yeah. know, he's, he's into it, sure. you know, like... I also didn't want to jump on the whole I'm um, a uh, Guardiola slash Sari, which uh, yeah. Dan jumped on last week. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just interesting, especially yeah. I feel with uh, American kids. You know, like you talked about a little bit about the the roboticness and that side of it, sure. and I just feel if I'm not that character, yeah, it, it's the game's not the same, the intensity's not the same, the level's not the same. Sure. You know, and sure. And I think we know that, like, and and this is what I try to do, obviously, with coaching, and um, I think I do, quite frankly, um, and it comes pretty naturally at this point, right? Because of all the therapeutic work I've done, right? But but we're talking about we to you. I mean, and Sand and Surf, everything I've talked to you guys in the conversations I have with each coach um, as well has been one where it's it's definitely about building trust with the player, right? And that's everything. We look at Sir Alex and anywhere it's about building trust first and foremost right and you can have a different personality like but but um you trust that 
that everything's going to be all right, right? For you as a coach, and, 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 and that doesn't always mean wins, right? But it means like you're going to have a good experience of this thing, right? Which tends to lead to, to wins as well, right? And there's a sense of, uh, sense of, uh, of gratitude and sense of like enjoyment to it. People want to come back to it, right? Um, and so I think that, I mean, for me, I, I'm, and then, it, and then it comes down to like facing the truth. What is the block for players? And that's, for me, in my coaching, and I'm doing only, you know, private, so I'm not doing a ton of games, but I would not, I would not sway from it if I was coaching a team. I've actually, my business partner talked about wanting to coach a college program, like, um, once we get these books up and going, right, that it'd be really fun to, to take this paradigm that we've been doing in private and small group and team stuff and move it into, you know, or in, well, individual team sessions, like, like one-off team sessions, I should say, I'm sorry, right. confusing, but, um, but like in a, in a, in a year long thing, right. Where you're like, let's take a look at, at you, you know, <laughs> in America, it's easy. We have plenty of people to work with, you know, but it's like, you're clearly anxious, right. Mm-hmm. That thing in your chest, let's explore that. Right. And it's different for 10 year old than it is for 14, 15 year old. Right. Um, a little bit, they can, they can understand a little bit more at 14, 15 year old, but at least they can become aware that like the problem isn't, I'm a bad person. I suck at soccer. Right. Which is the 10 year olds, you know, acknowledgement. Right. They're not doing good. I ah, just not good at soccer, right? No one can help me, you know. But it's like, no, no, you just haven't really embraced and engaged with the game yet, right? You've just kind of stayed on the outside looking for safety and on the field, right? And uh, it's great. Uh, I wish this was a, a vlog because Chris could do his, his thing where he's like, yeah, over here, I'm open, you know? The half-hump. The half-hump. The, the, the half-hump, half yeah. You run the corner. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here, I'm open, right? I'm a rail boy. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you get that with, with American players, and, and, you know, that's what I've been trying to do is, is recognize, like, a lot of it's, a lot of it's, it's mental, right? We all know it's mental, but it's like, but, but the emotion, the their emotional world or their unconscious world is what's driving the mental world. Like, um, I think it's in the book, but Carl Jung, it's a famous psychologist that said, if you don't do the work work of, of exploring your unconscious, um, it will dictate your life and you will call it fate, right? And so it's like, you're gonna say, oh, I'm just shy or I'm just this or whatever, but it's like, no, there's something that's that's creating and, and, and yeah, so being shy, yes, we tend to think of it as just a personality trait, but a lot of it's being driven by like, I'm so scared to, to speak up, right? Maybe my family in subtle ways or in overt ways, I was told to, I was told to, you know, be quiet or, or whatnot. And he, you know, it takes one time sometimes, or it takes a, a multitude of, of times where someone says, yeah, be quiet. Then you're like, okay, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And then you're quote unquote shy, right? Cause it becomes yeah. a cognitive trait. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's kind of a, a pattern that you just kind of yeah. keep playing out. And, and then once you kind of do, do the work of, of working on some of these emotional blocks and you, and you, tap into them, right? And you start to release some of that stuff, all that energy that's, that's trapped in your body, then you start to become a different player. And I've seen it a number of times. I've worked with, there's one girl that I did, I worked privately with her to, the dad was like, dude, she's been in academy program for, for three or four years. One of the best, she plays for Slammers, one of the best academies in, in, uh, for girls in, in the country. Right. Yeah. And she wasn't quite playing on this team. And and they came to me and they said, you know, you know, here's what I think, she, you know, the dad's like, this is what, here's what I think she needs to work on defending and blah, blah, blah. And he was cool. And I said, okay. And I started working with her and it was like, Shh. I mean, I'm telling her to do one simple thing in terms of shifting her body position, right? To force a player wide and to take a risk to like, you can, you're really fast. You can actually really close them into what I call your spider web, right? You can kind of close them in there and lock them in. And she wasn't, 
she just like wasn't able to do it. And I'm like, and because I had these tools from therapy I've done, I was like, let's try this, you know, and sit down. Actually, where when, this is clearly you're like not here. Just feel your body for a second. It took her a minute. She was like, I don't feel anything. Like, just take a second, keep breathing, right? She kept breathing and slowing down. She started to feel the stuff in her chest come up, right? And eventually, you know, we did like three sessions before this big showcase where we didn't touch the ball at all, right? She ended up going there and was physically ill. She had the flu. Played just this, the coach just said, oh, I'm only gonna give you a half. But he he had uh, called this uh, Columbia University, top like five academic schools in the country, to come watch her play. And she ends up hadn't been playing good all year, right? So the dad brought her to me, right? And uh, ends up playing second half, scoring a goal, locked down defensively, right? And we didn't even get we didn't even do anything on the field. Like I wasn't. I decided I'm not gonna teach her. I'm just gonna let like her natural instinct, right, of playing this game for so long, come out, right, when she's a little bit more free just to be here, you know, and not try to find some sort of, of safety or love in the game, in her coach or in her parents or whatever. And it was fascinating. Another guy uh, I worked with in, um, he played for uh, University of Pennsylvania, so he was in college. He was, he went from like freshman, sophomore, junior year, was, you know, okay player, whatever. And then that his fourth year, senior year, we worked the summer, we did video sessions, but during the video sessions, I was pointing out, like, hey, how do you feel? And I'd pause the clip, right? We'd be doing this over FaceTime or Skype, and I'd pause the clip, and I'd say, and he'd be watching on whatever on his computer, and he'd go, I'd go, what, are you, what were you feeling right there? And I said, close your eyes. And he'd start to feel his body. He's like, holy, sh-, you know, there's this thing in my chest and my back. It's like, it's starting to expand. You know, I said, yeah, keep your attention on that. And, and as we started doing it, he started to, like, must be comfortable. Some of that start, stuff started to let go, and he scored four goals of defensive mid. I didn't score, I scored three goals in three years. He scored four goals in one year, one college season of defensive mid. And they had like, I think in like 18 games, something like that, headers, bombs, whatever. And was first team all Ivy League at, at UPenn. And it's like, had yeah, this, something about it works, you know, something about yeah. recognizing that there's, a, that not just a, not just from a mental level, right? We got to drop in a little bit deeper in the, in, in every bit of sort of therapy, soccer you do, right? Or therapy, anything you do. It can it can really transform, but it, it can't be a you know you need to do this you need to breathe right for ten seconds like this you know hold one nostril that that can be helpful in the moment to be fair but there also is stuff that's deeper that's driving that's saying you you know you can't do this you can't be happy right um, again that's an interesting kind of like that the anxiety whatever can trap someone so much in their own head yeah. that they can't realize anything else yeah you know? and and this and the crazy thing so Seth again. Guy that wrote the book has been working with some pro players, right? And and there's more players. Guy just texted me yesterday. He plays for Toronto FCs. He wants to work with them. Um, and more guys. So the, the thing is, like, this has happened at youth level. It doesn't stop in America. Like, it just keeps falling these kids into college and the pro life and in their marriage life and in their job, right? And and midlife crises are stop, starting to happen a little bit sooner because it's like, dude, I'm carrying the weight of, like, five, you know, or you know let's say five uh five uh generations you know i'm carrying all this anxiety and it's like dude i can only hold it for 25 years now and it's like Poof! and we always say like you know millennials or this and that and the other but it's like well maybe there's a there's a component of like of stress in this as well right and 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 our gener like our our parents and our parents parents right well not so much our parents but our parents parents and their parents right we're part of world war one and world war two yeah. survivals right you know so we're pretty good survivors ourselves. We learned how to survive. Like we learned how to turn off the TV when we knew this is the time to turn off the TV when WWF is on, right? Like we, we learned to survive and do the thing necessary, right? For 
for love, you know, or, or for even for like our own safety, you know, in some cases. My dad right. was a big Italian guy that like would bro- he broke clipboards too, like in, in on the in the game, you know. And I'm like, like I just want to be, I just want to be safe at this point, you know. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> so like, yes, I will do whatever you tell me to do, you know. Like, I'll defend this way, right? Uh, so it's fascinating, you know. Isn't that interesting? Like then it'd be you turning the TV off, whereas now it'd be like, okay, I'm turning that off, Granddad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got my WWE out. Yeah, and they would have no clue that, that was that was that's all the yeah. yeah. Oh, just wrestling. Oh, you fuck God. Yeah. What? I'm what are you just watching? Man, you Chelsea. Right yeah. Yeah. What? What do you think the the youngest age for a player is to like you know that example of the academy girl to dive into this? You know, like it's funny yeah. that you started saying that, right? Because mm-hmm. I would say from our side, when a parent comes to us with, you know, Johnny's not doing well, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. we always say, look, you gotta just get out playing a little more, watch the game, this, yeah. that, and the other. Like, that's always the advice. Get yourself more around the game. Because yeah. that's what we did. But yeah. we're in a different culture here, different society, different world. Like, yeah. so what, what age do you recommend, like, parents yeah. trying to get this release out of our kids. Well, I mean, I don't know if, if, if the parents, um, you know, my kids are six and three, right? And so, you know, I'm talking to them about like, when they're, when they're getting really worked up, you know, take some deep breaths, like, what are you feeling, you know? And they're like, feeling this way, okay, where are you feeling that? You know, it's as simple, like as simple as that, and that's what, and that kind of extends, at least from my experience, to like nine, 10, 11, 12. Once they get to be about 13, they can start to, you could start to have a conversation of like what it is, how it's functioning, you know, bringing the ego, this thing's protecting you, right? And it's and it's and it's on overdrive now, it's protecting you from different pain that you've experienced, right? But at the younger ages, it, it I've seen, I mean, I've coached a lot of like nine, 10 year olds in private sessions, right? Um, and just bringing their awareness to that they're actually, that their body's experiencing something, right? That everything's not outside of themselves, that there's an experience happening internally um, is really helpful because that's where that's where your transformation actually happens is internally. It's like I mean, Michael Jackson said this a long time ago, right? Look at the man in the mirror, right? <laughs> like you know, look at yourself, right? Like um, it's been said in many different ways, but like getting them to just observe themselves, like the one. Actually, you guys will like the story. So I, the one one dad brought her, his kid to me and said, "I want her this nine year old girl in Newport Beach," and said, "I want my kid to be more aggressive." And I was like, "That's like the worst thing you could hear with the coach, right?" It's like. <laughs> do what? How am I supposed to make it more aggressive? I was like, well, right. it's funny though, because that's yeah. uh, we get we get very that. common. Yeah, in every America, two right? days, because all these every kids are looking days. for safety, right? Yeah. on the field because they're not getting it in a way, right? And it's not they're not getting it. Their kids aren't. The parents aren't beating them, right? But they're not getting an emotional safety, right? That's what we're talking about here, right? And so they they look for it. They they're looking for it on the field because they get a better experience when they don't make mistakes, right? So they they're doing this, right? And and. Uh, and they don't want it. if you know if they get into tackle and lose it, everyone's like, oh, everyone on the collective sidelines is like, oh, you know, and then they're like, I'm not getting into another tackle. I don't want to risk. I don't want to risk my 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 identity, so to speak, right? And so anyway, so dad brings her since I want you to help her be more aggressive. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, how do I? I wanted to say to him like, are you like, what you know? <laughs> but I was like, sure, let me uh, let me try, right? And I knew I was going to take the same approach I always take, right? So. As we're playing, her eyes are, you guys have seen this, right? Her eyes are darting all over the place, right? I'm talking to her like this, right? Looking her in the eyes. 
Her eyes are darting. Oh, mad lights. Yeah. She's gone, right? I'm like, Ryan, she's nine years old. I'm like, I like just I said the whole session, like trying to bring her awareness, like, you see how you're kind of checking out? And she was almost like, even when I was like speaking softly and whatever, she was still pretty checked out, right? But I was like, You see how that's happening? She's like, Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. I take some deep breaths, right? I'm trying to just bring her awareness that like and then we're like, like where you feel nervous now? Yeah. Where do you feel that? Right, right here, my chest. My chest. Okay. Okay, so we start to train again a little bit. And I give her I give a piece of critique, right? You know, like, hey, try to do this. And it's all of a sudden shut down again, right? Eyes darting all over the place. And I'm like, dude, it's not helpful for me to just try to beat it into her, right? And it's not gonna make her better at soccer to be like, let's play crossbar all day, you know? Like neither of those options are gonna be that helpful, right? So I'm like, okay, what's so anyways, after that session, I thought it was good. So apologies for the break there. We had some technical difficulties, but we are um, back now. And um, yeah, we'd just like you to um, finish off that story you were telling us, Patrick, about the uh, the parent that that came with a girl wanting you to work on her aggression. Sure. Yeah. So dad comes says, "I want you to help my girl be more aggressive." She's nine years old. I was five. I was like, "Okay, here we go." Um, don't know. Don't know what I'm going to do with this one, but I, I knew I was going to take the same kind of paradigm, right? Um, there, you know, this, this daughter's already nine years old, carrying some serious, some serious stuff, right? She's carrying some anxieties, carrying some, some, some anger, right? Different stuff, and and I said, okay, so we started working, right? And, and her eyes are darting left and right as I'm just trying to have a conversation, engage, and tell her what it is. And so I'm thinking she can't hear me. So in my and I, my experience, I'm like, if I say something and her eyes aren't looking at me, right? I can't expect her to go do it, you know? Like so, well, right, let's try this again. Okay, and then and just raising her awareness that something within her is 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 keeping her from being here because she's clearly feeling as soon as I give her any kind of critique, she's feeling a sort of uh, a threat and she's feeling all this stuff come up. Whether maybe it's anger, like don't tell me what to do, right? But she's of course you know considered to be one of these shy girls, right? That's would you know would not do that, right? Um, at least at this point in time, right? And so she. Uh, She's darting her eyes. So after that session, which I thought was pretty good, she was raising her awareness of that that there's something internal going on, right? That's that's you know maybe you know maybe she's starting to open up to this idea that there's something inside that I can I can sort of you know deal with or at least acknowledge, right? As opposed to just saying you know I suck or or you know or internally saying I suck to to or I'm shy or you know I'm scared and then just leaving it at that, right? And as if as if shy scared. And suck are her identities right and they're, they're never gonna change right because there's a certain level of safety to that right to know what I am even if it is I suck right so she so I thought it was a pretty good session right she's just observing herself right and we're doing some passing but she's not really listening to me for the, <laughs> the whole hour but but I'm like that's okay you know she's this is she's under complete threat right now right um, her dad's over there watching and I'm you know I'm now this figure that is is, you know, she's trying to look for love everywhere she goes, right? So I become, you know, dad too, right? In a way. And so uh, session ends, dad calls me the next day and is like, hey, you know, we really love your training, <laughs> but, you know, can you leave, you know, my daughter doesn't really like to talk to her about emotions. Can we leave that part out? I said, 
I see what that's what, you know, I think, I'm thinking to myself, like, that's what I do, but I'm like, I'm interested because I'm like, there's something for me to learn in this. I'm like, like, I wanted to say no. I was like, okay, so I make this pact to do all old school training with her. Like, I'm not gonna say anything about what she's experiencing, just gonna run with her cone to talk to her as if she's actually able to listen to me, right? I'm just gonna pretend, right? And I was like, hmm, I wonder what I'm gonna learn out of this, right? So we go out back out the field, I'm doing this thing, working on, on weak-footed passing, right? Like her, the, her left foot is her non-dominant foot, working on um, firmness and then also just like bringing her awareness to her hip being open, right, and her, and her toe up, all this stuff so that she can hit the ball properly, right? She can pass the ball properly with the left foot. Well, she'd go back and forth between hitting it hard and then with, with like no awareness of her body and it would kind of like hit it off the toe, right? But she'd hit it hard, right? And it would go to, to, go to, to her, her right, I guess. And then she'd, um, then she'd go really slow, but wouldn't, wouldn't swing hard, right? And so she'd do it perfectly, but it would roll like three yards in front of her, you know what I'm like, okay, well, we're gonna try to combine those, but she'd just keep going back and forth. And I was like, finally I said, Ryan, I said, you realize like nothing's changing, right? And as soon as I said that, and I, and I didn't, ex didn't expect this, but I was gonna take this, this, this route that like, I'm still going to address the fact that nothing's changing here. I wasn't gonna talk to her about emotions, right? But what happened was, she starts to cry, right? And she's looking, she's like, and her parents, both parents are there this time, and about like 50 yards away, and, and she's like looking at my drill, and then looking at her, over the, at her parents, and the tears are starting to come down, right? And I just looked at her, I said, Ryan, I said, it's okay to go over to your parents. As soon as I said it, she bolts over, and her mom kind of comes towards her to meet her, and, and she puts her head into her mom's lap, right? And and um, as her mom's like standing up, like kind of holding her, and, and, the, and you know, mom's trying to kind of, you know, uh, console her and everything, and um, and the parents are kind of like, they kind of expect it, but on one level they're like, oh man, this is actually happening, right? Like, we're actually getting to see what she's been carrying, right? And um, of course they act as every parent, oh, I know I know my kid, you know, like, whatever. The dad comes over and says, um, says to her, oh, come on, Ryan, like, he's your friend, come on, get back out there, right? Like, very quickly kind of, you know, dismissed that she's actually having a really deep experience at that moment, right? And was kind of like, go on, Right, and I think, um, and I, you know, think I think it's obvious to me, anyways, that like in that space, the dad is also starting to feel something, right, or something's coming up, right. But as long as no one else can show emotion in their family, right, then he doesn't have to face it, right. But as soon as, you know, the daughter starts to show emotion, right, maybe the mom starts to cry, right, then the dad's either, you know, dad's like, oh shit, there's all my anger, right, here comes my anger, and 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 he knows, right. I can't just blow up because we know that in our society we can't blow up or else there's laws against that right and there's no other helpful paradigm other than I need to stop doing that right and it's like well it just goes back to the code of conduct right with parents like just telling someone to stop doing something that is really really deep it's like well I don't feel like I have any control over it I just need to drink right or something like right it's, it's like <laughs> I just this anger is like so he's now so this was his way in a subtle way this is my opinion right um, that, that he's like, yeah, get back out there. And, and in that way, because he's bigger and stronger, right? The daughter, of course, is gonna listen to him, right? Plus she needs a place to sleep that night, you know? And she doesn't know any better, like that maybe she can find another place to sleep. She goes back out and she goes, and she comes back out and trains with me. And, I, and I'm like, I'm like, Ryan, I said, that was a lot. And she's like, yeah. And, she, and of course she's just like, come on, give me the next drill. I gotta go again. And I'm thinking, whoa. We need to pause, you know, like mm -hmm. there needs to be some space created for this part of you that is coming up, right? You can think of it as like, you know, therapy and stuff. They talk about the, the, the idea of like, there's like younger parts of us, right? That, that come up and, and speak, right? That's why like 
I mean, you guys are married too as well? Or any of you? On my way though. You're on your way? <laughs> okay, yeah. So, well, yeah. And anyone's in a relationship. But, like, but I'll, I'll just speak from the, the guys that, with, with wives. When you start to really live and you really commit to this thing, it's like there's a, a, a certain like three-year-old, right? Or even 14-year-old that starts to show up in, in, in Carl and I with our wives. It's like, give this to me and give it to me now, right? We, act, we start acting like little boys, right? And it's a fascinating it's a fascinating thing that happens, right? Yeah, yeah. My, my wife calls it Mr. Perfect. What's that? Mr. Perfect. Mr. That's who I am. Oh, really? That's who comes up all the oh, time. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, that's a high schooler, right? They know everything, right? Exactly. Yeah? Yeah. So it's like yeah. a 14, 15 year old that's yeah. coming up. It's like, and so with this little girl, I'm already like, there's like a little part of you that's, that, you know, two or three years old. Imagine what happened to this girl in this family at two or three years old, right? Like, there's a little part of her that is, is petrified all the time and looking like, where the heck is safety in my world, right? That's crazy. And so, yeah, so I'm, and, and, and you know, I finished the session or whatever, and the dad, and actually fascinating, the dad's like, the dad, we, we haven't worked yet, and there hasn't been many people that, that haven't come back to work with me, and I'm thinking like, huh, well, I agreed to, I made this pact that I wouldn't talk about emotions, but because I'm acknowledging that, you know, the daughter's, you know, needing to bring a little bit more focus to it, and what else can you do, you know? Either that or I go back to them and say like, hey, you know, your daughter has no hope which I don't believe about anyone, right? I believe like if we can kind of tap into some of this stuff and release it, then there is hope. And this is the way that it came out. And, and, and of course now they've you know, done what their ego's kind of taking control. It's like, all right, let's steer this way. Let's go avoid this. And we'll go back to, you know, um, we'll get another trainer that will put cones out and we'll and, you know, pretend like things are getting better. Um, you just work them. And maybe they'll get, they'll get a little bit better, right? Of course, but like, but there's an ability to, to win your teeth. On a broader yeah. level, I hope, yeah. I hope she manages to explore those feelings at some point because it's it's not healthy for her not to be able to. Yeah, so of course. She manages to to explore that. Me too. Okay. Yeah. Um, if if I was going to ask you for a definitive goal with these books, yeah, what would you summarize that into? To get them into the hands of every parent in America, okay. <laughs> um, every parent coach, every club in America. Um, and customize them for every club and and you know and get the you know uh yeah start this revolution with with partners we have them in uh, two clubs in california one club in texas mm-hmm. um at, at so far right and we just you know just got them up on amazon a couple months ago um and yeah for the sake of of can we can we not only create more creative players uh more passionate players right you see that about american players that it's like or they're they're when you get them when you like talk to them and you kind of like if you guys aren't this way right but a lot of coaches are like or maybe you guys are sometimes because you're like I can't get them to like be motivated but you like you can get them to be angry and then they go out and they'll be really good for for a day right you know yeah and there's a difference between like playing angry and playing with passion right and um, you know you guys grew up around a lot of passion back home but uh, they're like that's the thing is like we want creative players with passion right and drive and then also like happy players, right? Because I know a lot of players that were, that were good, right? And that were able to survive, myself included, were able to survive college and youth and, and youth national teams and all this, you know, these, these, these higher levels. Um, but at the end of it, I was like, man, I'm, I'm miserable, you know? And so it was like, that's the thing is like, at the end of this thing, like we, we don't want it to be this thing where we've, to create a better youth soccer player, we've stepped on their souls throughout the process. And at the end of it, it's like, Geez, I don't know who I am because I just 
just kept telling me, everyone kept telling me I got to get better at this game. And it's like, and, and deep down the kids are more connected sometimes than adults. They're like, there's something more to this life than paying the bills or, or winning a club soccer tournament, you know? And so that's the whole thing is, can we, we can, this, this thing has the ability to, to shift this thing completely. And, um, and it just starts with these first few clubs and then hopefully stand and surf and, and, and down the line, right? Like that we start to, um, acknowledge what, what's happening, the, the extreme levels of anxiety on youth soccer fields across the country. So that was great. Yeah, we can yeah. jump into the fall. Okay. So we'll roll into our fall review section. Uh, a few few teams are wrapping up fall this week, and uh, obviously a few have still got a little bit longer to go. So, uh, Carl, do you want to share your uh, your experiences story. fall this week? Your story? Yeah. So I've got a a good story. It's a disappointing one in the youth sports world, but. Uh, 07 age group so 11 yeah. you know uh, flight one game so it's a good level high intensity yeah. kids are into it yeah. uh, one of our more kind of dominant players on this team you know he's, he's a big boy you know uh, he's very dominant on the field 50-50 challenge kind of uh, shoulder to shoulder other player falls but kind of had an f- awkward fall and like hurt himself, like didn't break anything or but got a little upset. Yeah. So seen it a million times in every level. Uh unfortunately we had a wrong reaction of a parent from the opposing team. Parent from the opposing team basically came on the field and was close to squaring up yeah. to our player. So oh, wow. Apparently uh, with your eleven year old boy. Yeah. Oh wow. So kind of shouting in his face like yeah, as, if, as if <laughs> as if he meant to do it like you know dad of the son who got hurt obviously clearly upset and reacting to it uh, I think you know our parents kind of you know a little upset we're shouting hey you know get off the field what are you doing but yeah, yeah uh, just crazy yeah. completely crazy that you know someone would think another 11 year old boy is out to maliciously like yeah. really hurt someone sure. number one and then number two did react that way come on to the yeah. uh, pitch and basically get in the face of an 11 year old yeah. so I thought it was a great thing it's a lot, that, it's a lot, of, a lot of fear a lot of control right mm-hmm. yeah basically right because you we just talking about like that you know it's crazy right referring to again like that's the crazy she's the that's the crazy one they've showed up right so we can so we can all we can all look at them and be like you need to change and so we can all just sit here and just be like and you know but, it's like, but, but yeah but but we can see like that's what it's trying to do it's trying to shift it to be like oh wow she's deeply pained right and that scared the crap out of her you right it scared the crap out of that mom or dad was it mom it was it? dad oh the dad okay it, it scared dad, the yeah. crap out of the dad right and and all the rage from that dad right that's been sitting dormant, right? That's been repressed. Like all of us, Went English, into that English Irish, and Americans came into that moment, right? Just like we talked about before, like Prince, when England lost or whatever, got knocked out of the World Cup, there was tears. Was it tears of England losing? Probably not. It was probably something that it was, a, it, was a, it was a, it was a, it was the one socially acceptable place in England to, to cry, right? Yeah. And so it, it's, there's, we're carrying this stuff and it, and it's just, we, we've, we've, I mean, our, our egos have been said, 
it's just convinced us it has all these strategies like no like we don't we don't cry there's nothing there to be how I many i mean right i mean if i ask sam right we're sitting across from each other having a beer i'm like hey you ever want to cry? He's like, oh, I don't want to cry. You know, I don't. I don't need to cry. You know, give me a little fizz. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk, talking up about England, you know. <laughs> but, I'll tell you yeah. what. If you want to cry, you watch *A Star Is Born*. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, but, I, well, to be honest, I'm a man, so I don't cry. But yeah, I'm tough, but... <laughs> I'll be honest. My my wife and I, we watched it. We watched it twice. Um, Heavy breathing through that one. Dude, at the end of it, my wife and I, we tell people, and 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 I don't want to say this right now, but I'm gonna say it for the sake of. Of something, but I we were. <laughs> I don't want to say it. I don't want to go, go ahead. Do it, yeah. do we're, it. We're, at the end of it, my wife can. My wife has said it a few times, which she's given me kind of permission or the the, the courage just to start to say. It, but we were literally like holding each other crying after. And that movie is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was. And, and, it, and it and it speaks for sure to our experience because like as a as a as a, a D-list celebrity and as an MLS player in, in America, right? Like, I mean, that guy, whatever, I forget the guy's name in the movie, but... Uh, Cooper, Bradley Cooper. Oh, Bradley Cooper, yeah, whatever. I, hope, I can't remember his name, but Bradley Cooper in the movie is a big time, right? But like, what was, what his soul was, he stepped on his soul to make that level of success. And it doesn't have to be that way, right? Um, then we then we act like, oh, I don't want to... We, we have a desire to be great, all of us, right? But like... And it doesn't have to be that way, but for me, that was my exact experience. Dude, I wanted to, I was, I mean, daily was like, dude, this is way too much. Um, I, I wasn't creative enough to think of ways to, to end it, right, for myself, but like, but it was like, this is too much. And I would, you know, I started to, you know, to avoid my coaches, right, first, right, and which is happening all the time. Like, co- players don't talk to coaches in youth soccer. Like, you know, parents talk to them, right? and. Players are starting to when when your kid, by the way, is is avoiding having a conversation with a coach, right? You know right away that there's obviously something that's coming up in them, right? And and to step in sends a message that they can't do it, right? Which which compiles in a subtle way more shame on them, right? In the sense that they're not good enough to have a conversation with someone, right? Um, and I think no conversation probably needs to be had in like from like zero to eight or nine or ten, probably, or maybe eleven or twelve. But but if they're going to, right? Like this, the girl, I don't know if I told the story, but the kid that wanted to work hard, I don't think I said it on the podcast, I think I said it before, the girl that wants to, that the dad wanted her to work hard, just work hard, you know, which is a big ask for some yeah. kids at nine years old. But two years later, they, they've started to adopt this paradigm of like, okay, whoa, I'm experiencing this. And now they're really listening to their daughter. And now they're saying, okay, you know, you have a problem, the coach is yelling at you, we want you to go tell the coach, which is such a powerful thing. If a kid comes up and says, I can't have you, you know, I can't have you yelling at me. This 11-year-old girl, she's super brave, right? And uh, she started to say that now, and the coach, same thing the next week, and they're going to pull her from the club now, right? To a different club, but... Right. Um, that's great for the kid and see she have a voice. And yeah, so so that's absolutely yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. We say that all the time. Yeah. We yeah. love that, have yeah. more of that, you know? Yeah. Like, but just in our club in general, I just find the kids are just so uh, robotic and respectful. Sure. You know, yeah. like I say, you say this all the time, like they're yes men. The yeah. o, my O four group are like yes men. It's like go stand beside that tree. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. it's that, and it, and I think it's we've talked about it like here. It's like coach. that that coach thing. You know, like <clears throat> we talk about it like even AYSO. The yeah. moment these parents who really aren't coaches and they don't you know, do their background in coaching, but the sure. moment they have that coach tag, the kids look at them like they're 
some sort of different figure in the sure. world and everything they say is correct uh, and they have to yeah. follow like you know yeah. so we we find it in our club a lot like our kids are very you could tell them to do anything and they'll do it like we, we, we don't push it that far you yeah, know yeah. but it's like Halloween's coming up you know my favorite chocolate everybody bring me one and it yeah. happens like and yeah we would have never done that we <laughs> would have never done that, yeah. that as a joke when yeah. you, that oh Halloween's coming up you better bring me coaches tax and I'm not kidding you I'd like a table full of candy and we ended up just having to distribute it back and forth. Well, well, most of it. <laughs> well, I did take yeah, my yeah. own. You've seen where that chocolates went. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anything else yeah. happen in the fall? Um, bit of a similar story to yours, actually. I had a game this weekend. Um, had a, a player of mine go in for a challenge, just full-blooded and fair. The other kids kind of turned out of it a little bit and, and gone down injured. Um, their parents had a totally, you know, very uh, robust, erratic reaction. The coach has come up to check his players, bought into it, starts in the middle of the field, turning around to my player and saying that was a horrible tackle and stuff like that. And uh, I kept myself in a calm manner about it, but I reminded him that he was talking to a child. Anyway, this carries on for the next 15, 20 minutes of the game, they're sidelined and they're unemployed by that. It starts to affect the nature of the game and their players. And a, a later ball came out that their goalkeeper came out for just very erratically and viciously trying to like hurt my forward and inadvertently hurt himself. And it was just sad to see yeah. that 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 moment not being managed in the correct way. Yeah. Then again, it becomes like a, a negative self-fulfilling cycle that sees yeah. another player get injured. So um, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure where that comes from, but... So, comes from the guts. Yeah, comes from the guts, that's why we got to go into the guts. I know stories for me, pretty uneventful weekend, to be honest. Five games, just all went by quite smooth. No parents shouting at referees, no fights, no kids peeing on trees. It was a really, really mellow weekend for me. <laughs> what about your results? Always good results. Um, let me see. Two two wins for the girls' tens. Uh, a loss and a draw for the boys' tens. And the girls' all sevens won one and lost one. They're not bad. Girls' yeah. girls' tens played probably the best best soccer they played all year. Like I took them on Saturday night. Professor Dan took them on Sunday morning. He kind of gave the same, said the same thing that I said about them in the game. But yeah, on the whole, good weekend. Just uneventful. It's it's interesting, and maybe you can jump into this. We've talked about this, but uh, for some of our age groups, it was the last weekend of the fall, and we've probably seen some. I personally seen some of the best performances of the year from those teams, hmm. and to me, it's like like a, a stress reliever, like last game, and they're free. You know, like that. Wow. That's what I, I didn't felt. Think about that. That's yeah, really powerful. You know, I I do feel like that. It's yeah. like no no more after this. Yeah. You know, not letting down coach or teammates or parents. Last game, played free, went for it, and Man. there's there's that part, and then there's the other part of the soccer here is so intense all the time scheduling yeah. that we find a lot of the kids go into the fall league, not even excited. They're yeah. like kind of burnt out because sure. they just played in like five tournaments, 
So I just thought it was interesting. Like I watched like our, our older teams that are going into high school, especially our old four age group, like this weekend, they just performed so well. And it's like, mm. and obviously the coaches throughout the week were, you know, and I was one of those coaches were like, look, it's the last weekend, you know, yeah. tailored training a little off because we two games in one weekend, which we weren't, right. we didn't have, but yeah. it's just so interesting. Like I, I felt like both teams just played free, like yeah. how we would have played every weekend, like yeah. well, no think, stress. Think about the, the Houston Dynamo just now, right? Came to the Galaxy. I mean, Ibrahimovic, but I, mean, I don't need to say anything about him, right? Like they were up to nothing. Houston is a team who's zero stress, right? And they play, they come back and win 3-2 at StubHub Center, right? Yeah. Like for a team that, I mean, everything was on the line for the Galaxy last weekend or whatever it was. Um, a couple weekends ago, whatever, but but yeah, this the stress level being you know sort of knowing that it's you know there's so yeah, and so same thing with these kids, right? There's a there's a paradigm or or a parallel there for sure. And then uh, what's the other thing you had said? The other point that you made about the, the beginning of the, league the stress, and like, then there's something else though about well, like then you flip it around to the beginning of league where it's like. Oh, the overscheduling, as I was saying. There's like burnout and stress because sure. it's first game of league yes. weekend. Everyone's got to win that first game. Sure, you know, you sure, got to sure. play great. But then there's this thing of well, you look at the kids and they don't yeah. even look like they're... Some level of reality starts to set in it for parents and stuff throughout the year, which I think starts to help. They, 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 they acknowledge some level of truth that, mm. that they're, that, you know, you know, that they don't, I don't know. It's just a more realistic picture, which helps the kids when the parents accept where they're at, right? Um, now they still might want them to be Alex Morgan or, or Pele, but um, but at least they know where they're a little bit where they're starting. It's probably a little inflated, but uh, most of the time. But but I think it's funny because I had a a girl, like a seven year old girl that I was training, and the and she loved training with me. And the mom one time was like, "Hey, she's been acting up. Should we take this her training like?" with you away she's like what do you think about that and uh i said you know i said i was picking up my daughter from from uh, her school and i think i, mean, I don't know if i mentioned she goes to this waller school in orange county and the kindergarten teacher is really incredible i learned a lot from her and i i went up to the teacher and gave her this scenario and she goes well she's like if the anytime a kid is is acting a certain way right any behavior is just communication right it's their way of communicating that something's off right and she goes you know, three things pretty much are the key to that. Uh, number one, you, like if your kid is acting out, right? Look at three things. Look at what they're eating. Look at at their sleep schedule, and then look at their. Um, she called it like their their rhythms, right? right? And another way of saying it is like, are they overcooked with activities? You know, and so um, and sure enough, this this little girl is like playing soccer and and golf or whatever at a young age, right? And the mom is. It kind of, you know, understands a little bit, but there's a, there's something that happens when you're doing too much, right? The kids like need a chance to like just play and to integrate that. That's just part of their being that just, you know, pushed into this sort of performance world too early. They don't get to digest all the emotions that they're having as opposed to within that, or just the fact that their body needs more rest. So that's a good point too. Yeah. That I found to be true at, now that I raised my awareness to it, or my awareness has been raised to it, I'm like, yeah, that's a that's a big thing. So what what's the right fit then when you're in a club like ours and a community like ours where 
it, it, everything is so competitive and you know you got kids going to a private school playing multiple sports you know trying to get an edge on everything like yeah. well what's yeah. the advice then like well, I mean, you know yeah. it's so tough like I, I say sometimes like I find you know everyone says like the kids have it easy in our club like because they come from you know affluent families but sometimes I flip around and go I don't know like I think I, I think it's socially very tough as well like to keep up with everything in sports education clothes you wear the phone yeah, yeah like it I don't know, yeah. just when interesting. Did you, when did you get time to be a kid amongst all that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I'd say the same for sure. Like, you, you, there's an, yeah, yeah, to become an adult really, really early on. Um, and then you have these statistics about people that are just like, are, you know, become alcoholics and, and druggies and whatever, burnout as adults. And, and like, kind of talked about, like, the midlife crisis is happening. A lot sooner these days right um, because you're getting all this this anxiety kind of lumped on you at an early age um, because <laughs> I talked to my sister-in-law who I love to death and um, and maybe listen to this at some point but <laughs> <laughs> she, she said and, and it was a, it was a pretty heated conversation we had and uh, I would say and, and she mentioned the idea of like of, at least this is what I remember um, in terms of like going to junior college, she has this part of her that's like, yeah, going to junior college is kind of risky because, you know, um, an employer looks at that as like, ah, oh, it's not, you know, it's not as good as going to a four-year school, right? And the, the, the thing within that was like, she was talking about it, oh, and she said, yeah, a lot of employers, and I said, I said, listen, listen I said, your daughter needs one job, right? There could be a hundred employers that, that look at things this way, but you don't want to be, you know, employed by someone who looks at your resume and says like, oh, you just went to junior college and then you went to UCLA? Oh, then get out of here, you know? Like, well, you don't want to be employed. So my point is like, we act as if like, we use these big generalizations, but it's like, we just need, you just need one job, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and you, you know, bringing like Steve, and even the idea of college being needed, right? This is a fascinating conversation for me. Like the idea, like our, the ego has like, has kept our kids busy, right? From youth soccer to, to, private schools or whatever, or not private school, whatever, but in their school, like, they gotta do this, they gotta do this, they gotta do this, right? And it's always been focused on this, on this performance, on their, their, their like monkeyness, right? Like what their, what their numbers are, right? And not in recognition of their soul and like, that there's a deep, in their deep parts, there's a desire that's gonna move them into the world and, and change the world. That's why I always tell all the kids I, change, I train, as well as their parents, your kid is a, is a mystery. He's, the one thing we know for sure is he's a world changer. We just don't know where. So we can't force him into like, he's gotta get this this soccer thing down or this this pri or the school thing down, right? Like, I mean, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates are perfect examples, right? Of like people that like went an interesting route and were super successful and changed the world, right? Uh, my, my, my iPhone update was wondering if he made it for the better, but like, I mean like, but like he, he, he but he's, but there's there's things that, that were, they're mysteries. You know, these kids are, our kids are mysteries and we sometimes think that we, we know them and where they should be going and everything like that and that they need certain things right and uh, and it's and it's we're, we're touching into some deep stuff because to 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 say that anything is needed right is a sort of sort of level of control that that when you push into that and say it's not needed well the person that said that which is my sister-in-law in this case was kind of like taken aback like well 
and you could see it's like, oh, you know, in some way in her, she's she's you know, recognizing my safety system. I, 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 I knew you say that. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> this is yeah. If my daughter doesn't have to go, well, then she might, and then the ego takes off on you, yeah. right? To protect you from your pain, the, the ego of the of, of parents in our in our culture, right, takes off in this way that's like, well. Then, right, we talked about it earlier, like you said, it was like, yeah, um, I want to keep them away from, out of trouble, right? And that's the paradigm. Keep them it's out like, of trouble, yeah. Keep them out of trouble. Like, and if they don't do this, if they don't, if they're not pushing towards college, right, then they're going to be a dropout, a druggie, right? But it's like, well, maybe in that space, in that little bit of space that's created, maybe they, they find what they're passionate about. And then you don't have to worry about them ever again because you realize they're actually really happy. They're not just, they're not just doing what you want them to do, you know? Right. But, because there, there's more an exploration of path of potential as opposed to the limiting and definitive box of ability or whatever you want to call it yeah yeah Yeah. we got we got four minutes left and then you got to go but this this is a good one to stem into a question i got from a parent because i told them like your background and you coming on right and it's the whole similar to like got to go to college to get the great job so parent asked the question my son's 10 and isn't in the academy system how can he still be a professional soccer player in the U.S.? Sure. So, what, so what's so the, your... Yeah, so the parent, right, again, and I want to just kind of tie it back into that story that we were talking about. The, in the sense of the reason that's done is, and, and, we're, and I know I can, I can hear the parent, that kind of old school parent within me, was kind of talking to me as you're asking the question. was like saying, like, yeah, but there is a sense of, like, reality. You know, that, that's the word that's used, right? There's a sense of reality that that I need to prepare my kid for a world and get a job and get him out of the house and make him in, independent is another word, right? I want to make him independent, which right. if, if they're, they're seeking, you know, love and safety, these kids, they're not very independent. We're not creating independent people. We're, they're, they're still looking for it. They just realized they couldn't get it from you. So they're going to try to look for it in a girl or a guy, right? For, for young women, for young, you know, teenage girls. That's a big one for dads, right? They realize they're not getting it from you. So I'll just go get it from, this dude in my high school, right? That that hits home for, for a lot of parents. But like, I think that there there's a reality, right, in this in that control thing that like parents were once kids, right? You and I were once kids, and we're still seeking safety, right? And that's the whole thing, right? Are we gonna recognize like that's that's what this is? That's what some of these 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 movements and behaviors are for us, right? Um, and uh, yeah an interesting one but I don't know if I answered your question but uh we're, oh, we're talking about the oh that club system right the, yeah the, there's, just a, like, there's a sort of like there's a sort of there's a sort of feeling from the parent where like my kids said they want to play right and and if I can keep them on that track right then, we'll then my kid it. doesn't because they they have a sense that if of course if the kid doesn't make it they're gonna feel all these emotions and that's sort of part and parcel of like what the ego is trying to do is keep us away from feeling all those all those things right and protect us from 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 anything that's that's outside of our normal day-to-day life right um um yeah it's it's (laughs) it's anything that's outside of that realm which which is those emotions that don't get don't get don't get to be on display um or, or more so felt in our society and and so that's what's coming up and that's the that's all those strategies. You gotta you gotta watch yourself when you have this dead bent strategy on what your kid should be doing, and if they're not doing that, well, how is it gonna work out? Please tell me. Please give me an assurance and certainty that they can still become a pro. It's like for sure they can. Chris Wondolowski up in San Jose is about to set the goal scoring record in MLS, and he was at Chico State, a Division two school, 
and didn't start playing in until he was 25 and has absolutely killed it yeah. and can retire on what he's made professionally. And you, there's many different routes. The question for that parent is not about the kid and the route, like, because you can tell them, you know, this will happen, right? But then they'll be like, okay, Division two school. Okay, now now I, I can accept that they can go to Division two school. But what if they go to NAI school or Division three school, you know? Like, then is there, give me an example for that. It's like, okay, example for that. Well, now my kid's not going, now my kid's not playing on varsity team. It's like, well, then Michael Jordan. Oh, Michael Jordan, didn't, you know, didn't play on the varsity team, especially. We can keep giving examples, but eventually it's like, do my kid's depressed and wants to kill himself. Now what? Was there anyone that, that was around like that and that actually made it pro? Yeah. And so you can see where this goes. Um, that was a good way to end it, by the way. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> Go get On Frame the Coach Road on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> well, it that, changed your life. It was great. Yeah, Th- thanks a lot for coming yeah, in, for you sure. know, thanks, and, yeah. and thanks for the boots. And we're yeah. gonna we're gonna post this out and pump it, and hopefully yeah. we'll be back in, you know, yeah. in the new year. Yeah. And get this kind of rolling. So I need Sam to win me another pair of Beats by Dre's at, at the Nash Foundation. <laughs> Sam <laughs> played in NIA. I'll be, yeah, I'll be texting Sam. Hey, uh, the level of NIA isn't bad. Sam played there. Yeah, so, yeah. No, there's yeah. There's, a lot, there's some kids that come out of there that are that are killers that just didn't get found and they weren't liked because they were not big enough and whatever in the American system. But. I did, what I took away when you said earlier about the college was you would just be confident that your kid and enjoy something and they've got the drive and they don't have to go to that college to get that job and I think it's the same with that dad like you know he's 10 years old let's see what he's happy doing Find out what you know and, and there's no need to plan routes because there's all yeah. these different stories that get you to the same sure. place in all different ways yeah and I think so. it's interesting because we, we we address this somewhat on a behavioral level we talk about like in youth soccer we tell them to tell parents and parents are really pretty good at now being quiet on the sideline until, like you guys said, so until someone tackles someone and then someone rushes out. So, and I talked about Carl about this the first time we talked. I said, "Have you ever looked? I know you guys they're behaving well, right? Your parents. Have you ever looked on the sideline?" And you mentioned you you said, "Yeah, oh yeah, there's this one." Or you actually you said there's a few that you look over to. And I said, "Yeah." I said, "I got to interrupt you." I said, "Their guts are hanging out." He's like, "Yeah." So like, there's nothing been done about the core that's that's bringing this up, right? There's nothing that's been done about that. But we're but we're we we've sort of domesticated them and that that stuff is going to come out somewhere else right and so you realize like you can get them but a lot of this stuff that we're talking about and and, and how it affects player development in our country is happening at home and, and if they can be they can be like okay they, they, you know i don't know what i don't know what the education world does in regards to this right in regards to parent anxiety or, or like trauma that the parents are carrying but we get them to we get to kind of talk about it a little bit here um or we've been talking about it in terms of like stop talking you know let the, let this place as you said like let it be a sacred space for the players right yeah. and coaches but then at home that like this stuff is happening and they're talking about the game with them and, and stuff in a way that's like you know it feels really needy it's experienced it from the player standpoint or the kid's standpoint is very needy um and uh yeah it's it's, it's uh it's having a it has a big impact and, and, it, and it'll come out different ways if we don't deal with so if we don't go into the unconscious so yeah, I want to do one last. Cool. All right. So, yeah, if you want to catch either of those books, there is The Coaching Revolution, 
which is an interactive guide to finding joy and excellence in coaching. Coach, uh, parents, don't go get that one now. No, right? that is for yeah. coaches. <laughs> and here's one that the parents want to be getting, which is on frame, exploring the depths of parenting in the world of youth soccer. Okay, and it's got a foreword by Clint Dempsey. Yeah. Okay. And where can we find those again, please, Patrick? Alex Morgan's a big supporter of yeah, it too. She didn't, she, didn't, she didn't start playing club soccer until she was 14, and her mom, we kind of had a, I, I live across the street from her mom, and we had a whole mm -hmm. conversation. She's on the back of the book. Yeah. Kind of saying this is, I think, what it's her line, a well-written practical approach to help yourself be a mindful and confident sporting parent. Um, you know, Jordan Morris, Jordan Morris's father mm -hmm. is a doctor. That was actually a funny one. Jordan Morris said, you know, basically my dad was amazing, and the dad said, I was one of those parents. So the kid is disconnected. You know, Jordan had kind of disconnected from like how his dad was, right? To survive his youth soccer yeah. experience, right? And, um, you know, and so it's kind of interesting. But um, yeah, you can see all the, the re reviews on Amazon as well. Um, they're starting to pop up. As it's only been out about a month and a half or two months. But um, I think it's all, you know, five, like nine five star reviews and pretty, pretty amazing like stories about what's happening. So yeah. Thank well, you guys so if much. The books no worries. Thank you. Talks been, mate. I've, I've very much looked forward to reading them. So, yes. all right. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cheers. 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 I did. All right. So, that's another one wrapped up. Okay, so that's week nine wrapped up. And next week, we have our final week 10 of the podcast coming up. Um, just like to say a big thank you to Patrick for coming in to discuss and share his thoughts uh, and his philosophies with his books there. And we will possibly have another special guest next week. So be sure to check it out. There'll be a lot of interesting topics. And from what I hear, Professor Dan McCarthy will be back. So yeah, if you have any questions, make that's, sure to fire them that, in. That's not been confirmed. Oh, it hasn't. We're going to see the ratings from the listeners, see if they prefer yeah. you or Dan, and then we'll... Hopefully we'll, they can understand your accent. We'll make a decision. Uh, well, it's a better accent in it, to be fair, so... <laughs> um, no, thank you for joining us, guys, and we look forward to you listening again next week. Goodbye.